Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. I had some consultancy for my own company, mm. old company, and then that was by the March, I had more business than I could handle, so one of my colleagues joined me. And then fast forward, the end of the first year, we won all of Johnson's Beauty, and then that we had that for like six years, and then it just really kind of went from there, and then to sort of, you know, where we are now. I say this to Polly all the time, my MD, you know, we have to think that everything that we do has the potential to impact their future journey, you know. If, likewise, if we did something terrible, that could, like, force them out of an industry or, you know, so I think you have to really take responsibility for how you shape people's paths. Every year we've been trying to light the Burj Khalifa up. Given that child and baby loss affects one in four, I think it would be a really beautiful thing to do. Other landmarks around the world have lit up. Every year I try, it's not happened, but I'm not done yet, it's going to happen. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. Well, I don't have a co-host today, so I've got to do the introductions myself. Um, Dan, thanks for leaving me alone today, but I'm quite excited because I've got Tash Hatherall in the studio today. Hello, Tash. Hello, thank you for having me. It's great to have you, and uh, Dan sends his apologies because we were so, we were really looking forward to this episode, so it's a bit of a bummer that he's not here. But yeah, so I'll have to just make... It'll just have to be me. I hope I make do. <laughs> I'm sure he's bored of my stories. So yeah. <laughs> I do. We'll see. We'll see. Um, welcome. Welcome to the show. And how are you? I'm good. You know, I think it's been the busiest Dubai summer ever. It has. Yeah. Um, I, you know, all these, you know, I was planning on having a bit of a lie down after a crazy season, but um, it's literally been 20 hour days and uh, everyone's looking forward to new season. I'm like, the old one's not finished. So well, I'm exhausted already. <laughs> I'm ex- A, I'm exhausted and B, I can't believe we're already in August, nearly in September. Like, I know. where the hell did this year we're go? We're about to start pitching like Christmas stuff at work. So we're on the... Are FS- you serious? Yeah, September is that when all the gift guides open. So yeah, we're on the Christmas countdown. Oh, all the pitches and then straight into live Projects. And there's this little thing called COP28 that's sort of in the periphery that's going to uh, create chaos for everyone here anyway. Exactly. And we've got loads of clients in that, so yeah, it's going to be busy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, speaking of clients and speaking of busy, what is it that you do, Tash? Um, so I own Tish Tash Communications. Mm-hmm. So we're one of the leading independent comms agencies in the region. We're 12 years old now. My plan was to go freelance and go to yoga after having a really busy corporate career and I was quite tired. Uh, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward 12 years um, and we've got 58 in the team, offices in Dubai, at Riyadh in the UK. Oh, wow. And we're very busy. Okay, so I'm going to jump back a little bit. So you had a corporate life. Yes, I'd always worked in big agency, big, you know, in-house. So the likes of McCann, Harris, L'Oreal, Diageo. And then I decided 14 years ago that I wanted to tick off my bucket list to come and work overseas. Mm. Uh, I sent my CV to my university friend who was in Dubai and said, look, if anything comes up, let me know. And then within a month, I literally had to pack up and, um, you know, rent out my house. And I was on the way here. 
And Dubai was always on your radar, or was it? No, I'd never been to Dubai. Never, uh, you'd no, never no, been. I literally got on a plane, and I didn't even. I think I was so. It happened so quickly that I was but so you didn't focused. Have time. On it. I didn't have time to think, even the fact that I'd been. I mean, look, you know, at that time. I mean, fourteen years ago, it was very different than it is today, but it still looked very glamorous. And so, yeah, I literally. It was only when I sat down on the plane taking off from the airport that I literally sat there and like cried. And that the air hostess was like looking at me, and I think it, that it hit me that actually I'm on a one-way You're ticket. You're leaving. You're leaving, yeah. and. When you landed, what happened? How did you feel when you landed? How was your first couple of, of weeks? I mean, it was very different. Yeah. I know. Um, I think even just, you know, sort of 14 years ago, the level of admin for like visas and like oh, getting gosh. set up here and everything was, and then throw in the fact, you know, language difference and everything, mm. you know, and I was working for a local company. It was, it, it was a culture shock, but I did have friends here. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I got from my friend was, just say yes to everything so I went through that I went through like a phase of being like the yes woman so you know it was back like back then that's also quite dangerous <laughs> because you'd say yes to things and there weren't systems in place yet really yeah but it was literally like people random people were like asking me like do you want to go to brunch in a lift like, and yes. I'd be like yes and like so I ended up you know going out with random strangers to like you know to for dinner or whatever or but it, it kind of you know I'm still alive and still I survived uh, uh you know and I always say that I mean you know it's I, I'm such a massive fan of the UAE and I you know so what was the most random thing you said yes to then I mean I think going to a brunch with people I didn't know like anyone apart from the person I'd met in the lift was quite random um and that was not something I think particularly coming out of your very comfort zone in the UK where you generally stay in your groups, in your groups. that was quite um to me that was quite radical I think it's very radical, but, but did it end up being a fun night? Yeah, I think I've, I think got a feeling I'm still friends with some of the people today. So, oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so you arrived. Did you always want to be in comms? Did you always want to be in this world? No, I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. And then I just and then I decided to do an A level in law, and then I it was so boring, and I and I actually even went down. I've gone down like the Oxford entrance exams, mm. and I was you know I was determined to have this really big legal career, and then I just had a real panic and freaked out. I was like, no, no, this is not the career for me. I'm actually quite creative, yeah. And I just realised that the kind of like you know the legal career was not for me. So then I decided to I quickly changed my mind and went and went to university to study psychology. And then I'm sort of hearing my own life as you're talking. I'm like, I was going to go. I wanted to do go and do law. I then got in there and said, yeah, no, this is not what I want. This is now not how I want to spend the rest of my life. Quoting cases. Exactly. And being surrounded by, you know, only a small cross section of the, the, you know, of society. Then I wanted to do psychology. Oh, my God, this is crazy. Please continue. So then I, yeah, so I went down, like I did a degree and a master's and I thought I'm going to be a psychiatrist. Mm. And then I realized that I'd have to sleep in hospitals. <laughs> And that, didn't, I, and, just, and that I, I just snorted. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and that I didn't that didn't really appeal to me either. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up going down the academic route, and mm. I combined sort of psychology with marketing. And I did well. I was actually I did a PhD in consumer behaviour. So and I was in oh, that's very cool. Working in addiction. Mm. So and it was at the time where I mean this is how old I am as well. Like where the internet was only just coming out, and I was looking at online addiction, like online shopaholism. Mm. I mean my friends this day think it's hilarious, and they call me the doctor of shopping, but. 
but that's pretty much kind of where I was. Uh, and I was working for one of the um, most prominent research teams in addiction. And it was all on paper. It was amazing. And then I sat there one day. There's obviously a little bit of a pattern here, but, you know, yeah. it all I think it all gets you to where you need to be. And I sat there and I was kind of looking around at like my professors and people and thinking, I'm going to be sat here in 20 years time in the same pair of jeans, in the same place. And like, I was scared. I was, you know, I think that's not what I want with my no. life. And so I quit. Well, I finished and I quit and um, academia and then I went off to join one of the grad schemes for one of the big um, global agencies started at the bottom um, and then I kind of yeah worked sort of my way up really through agencies um, and tried a bit of agency life a bit of in-house did different roles within kind of the marketing and comms mm. sphere um, but then I've always loved writing and I um, for me as well like, I'm very kind of beauty health and wellness is where I focus and that's Psychology my passion. Psychology would have really come in handy in marketing. No, definitely. And that's mm. why I kind of would say that actually, if you look, a lot of people who are in marketing do have a psychology background. Mm. Um, so I always think, you know, everything kind of helped me get where I am today, um, particularly as well, like, you know, even all just all the research and all the kind of like, you know, the fact, you know, the writing as well, even in academia. Mm. But yeah, then I kind of worked my way up and um, somehow ended up where I am today. I never, I never, ever, you know, planned to have my own business. Mm. So basically you woke up one day and said, yep, I'm done. Got to, got to ch- want to check off the, you know, travel list, go. It was it one day that you woke up and it just hit you or was it was it progressive? I think so. I'd been in like my job for in a company for like six years mm. and I had a, and I love where I love my company and I love my job. But I think I was living in like I'd moved back out of London by then, you know, done that and I was had in suburbia, I had a nice house in the Cotswolds and oh. And it was like to a lot of people, like fast forward probably 10, 20 years, it would have been the dream. But I was mm. like, you know what? I'm still like, I was like, just, I think I just turned 30 um, or a bit over. And I wasn't, you know, I kind of just, I, I had really panicked. Oh my God. We uh, we literally live parallel <laughs> lives because I did exactly the same thing. It was that I was, it was like a, I literally, I woke up and, and I'm like, in a year's time, if you ask, where is Lily? They could tell you exactly where I'd yeah. be. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that yet. No. But I go back now and everyone's still where I left them that too and I love them but they're still where I left still, them still <laughs> yeah you know so it, it's crazy it was that for, for me it was I think it was gradual in the background but it was one day I, I, I sort of came to work and just went no it's I can't I yeah. can't and that's when I, uh, I I ended up in the UK and then here but it was the same thing so you mm. packed bags arrived had a good cry on the flight got off the plane started saying yes <laughs> worked for a local company then what happened I think in that time, I kind of obviously was understanding the industry here and mm. learning it. And I was quite, I say the standard of comms and agencies like 14 years ago was very different to what it is mm. today. And I was quite shocked. Yeah. Um, I think so obviously I was in-house clients. So I was managing agencies um, and I was kind of frustrated. And, and I know and I've always had very, very high standards. And I've kind of always, I don't know, I think for me, the kind of companies and businesses I've worked in, like you have us and L'Oreal, it's like top, you've got to be, mm. remain top of your game or mm. you're out the door. And I think mm. to me, like sometimes seeing kind of some mediocrity, it was tough for me. I mean, tough to get things done to the standard I wanted to. And so I was frustrated. Um, and then, but kind of honestly, I think I was quite, two years, I was quite burnt out. And I mm. was thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and, you know, take some time out. I'd save some money. I was going to take some time out. Um, maybe do a bit of freelance, go to yoga and just see what I wanted to do. And that was in um, the December. And in January 2012, I opened Tish Tash. I mean, I just got what, like What a, led to that? I mean, that was mainly so I could obviously have a trade license just for the visa. Have, okay. So I could Oh, function. that's right, because back then, freelance visas no, no, didn't was, exist. No, so I had to open a company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just, uh, yeah. And costly I, then. Oh, no, it was, su- it was super expensive. Yeah, it was very good. If it I was, remember, it was, it was, it was, it was like 35,000 dirhams. Yeah. And then the visa on top of that. So it was a lot. 
but I kind of, you know, was like, I'm very legal and very, you know, so I like to be compliant. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got myself set up. But really, I mean, it was not, you know, the plan was, you know, I was going to sort of, I had some consultancy for my own company, mm. old company. And then that was by the March, I had more business than I could handle. So one of my colleagues joined me from, and then fast forward the end of the first year, we won all of Johnson's beauty. And then that we had that for like six years. And then it just really kind of went from there. And then to sort of, you know, where we are now. Did you ever pinch me moment? You know, this is like something I think about a lot. And I yeah. sometimes feel quite sad because I feel like, Generally, I am running around at such a fast pace. Don't I don't stop. stop and appreciate. And a lot of people always say this to me, like, you know, I'm just, and I'm just crashing around and mm. I don't reflect. And But I am trying to be better at it. And I think, you know, if you look back at the pinch me moments, it's things like, you know, first, you know, we, in, after two years, we got our first office. And I remember sitting there on a, in an empty shell of an office, you know, on the floor with no furniture and a key. Um, and that, Where that, was your first office? It was actually in the same building we still have an office today okay. on the edge of Media City, but we had a really, it had the tiniest office you could get it there. Yeah, I know, but Media City was bloody expensive yeah. as you know, well. That's where I wanted to be because I don't drive and it's close to home. And so, okay. you know, and I was in media, so I wanted to be in Media City. If that's not a pinch me moment, I don't know what is. <laughs> like, honestly, like to, to start an agency and within two years have your own office in one of the prime free zones in your sector. Congratulations. That's something to be proud of. Yeah, no, 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 it is. And it definitely was one that, you know, kind of, I'm, you know, I remember just, I sat there for ages, just like taking those pictures, sending it to my mum. <laughs> What'd your mum say? No, I mean, my mum, you know, she's kind of, you know, she's, you know, she is really proud and everything. Yeah. I, think, I think she, she worries I work too hard, but she's proud. But now we're still in the same, we've changed up four times in the same office building. Because you're growing. It's, it's the same landlord, so they're really great. They let us move up and now we have the whole side of the building. So... Wow. So, yeah, it is. How many staff did you say? How 58. big your team? 58. 58 in a comms team. Yeah. That's big. It is, yeah. I mean, we have, obviously, we've integrated other things in now. So we have design, content, social, digital, and we have our own studios, podcast rooms. So we, we, try, we try to integrate to do everything in-house now. But it's a lot. So what's a normal day for you? I mean, well, I'm, I am a 5 a.m. club person. I'm a morning person. So 5am and hit the ground? Yeah, generally, um, yeah, I kind of will, you know, get. I like to get all my own kind of work done, really organised in a good way, make sure my inbox is empty. Because usually once the day starts, I'm mm. either in meetings or with mm. other people. Um, so, yeah, I probably get into the office for like 7.30, 8 at the very latest. And then, yeah, pretty much solid meetings back to back or events. Um, it's kind of, yeah, I'm generally, there's no, there is no one day the same. It's a bit mm. all kind of all over the place. But in the morning when you wake up, do you have a bit of a ritual? I mean, like to keep that energy because that's. I mean, I, know, I wish I could say that I'm one of these people that sits and meditates and uh, does all this. I, you know, I have other ways, but no, I'm not that person. Generally, I am, I'm happy. I just want a good cup of tea. Very British. Listen, th <laughs> listen, that's meditative in itself. <laughs> it's also good to hear because, like everyone, you, you, there's always that pressure that if you're going to be successful, you've got to get up at 5 a.m. You've got to do 15 minutes of meditation, then you've got to do 15 minutes of journaling. You've got to do 15 minutes why and and this is a formula that all yeah. successful people. It's like, well, is it <laughs> exactly? I mean, obviously, I've read the 5 a.m. club book yeah. and everything, but I my view is like, you know, you can make 5 a.m. club your way. It doesn't have mm. to be the way that it was prescribed yeah. in the book, you know. But that's it. I'm, you know, I'm like, I go to bed at like nine. I'm kind of, you know, that's the kind of thing people will say to me all the time. You know, oh, I can't, doesn't work for the 5 a.m. club. But then it's like, well, what time? What time are you going to sleep? And it's like, well, midnight. It's like, well, it doesn't well, work that way. Work. You have to orientate it all kind of the other way. So yeah, me, me and my partner have opposite schedules. I'm, I'm also an early riser because, like, um, working, having worked government, we start at seven thirty. Yeah. So it's the same thing, and you know, it took an adjustment, but now I'm awake at like quarter to six, 
still not a 5 a.m.er, but I, I quarter to six, I'm up and it's done. But I'm ready for bed at nine. Yeah. And I'm happy to go to bed at nine. And my partner's like, well, yeah, but no. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to wake up that early. I go for, for me to be able to do that and be functional and be useful. Got to go to bed. Yeah. So, yeah. Thankfully, but, my husband's on the same schedule as me. So oh, lucky you. Lucky you. Tish Tash is uh, predominantly amazing women. All women. Not one male. No, no. Tell me about that. <laughs> So, contrary to belief, I'm not a man-hater. Some people have... Oh, really? You know, some people have said that to me. Really? Um, yeah, they assume it's come from that place. And it actually wasn't my plan. It really happened accidentally. But then now we've just decided to own it. Um, yeah. So, I think the nature of what, you know, beauty, health and wellness, a lot of our clients are very female-focused. Um, you know, be it from lipstick to sanitary products, mm. um, you know, kids' products. So... By nature, the people that want to work on those brands, I mean, the honest, the truth is like most men don't want to come and PR a lipstick or an anti-aging moisturizer. So we were very female focused. And then, you know, as we went along, you know, when you start to especially realize like some of, you know, I am very passionate about women and careers. Mm. And then when you start to realize that particularly here, it is getting a little bit better, but still not as it should be, you know, mm. there isn't, you know, in terms of helping women with kids, it's like, you know, flexible working, you're truly flexible. It's didn't really, it definitely there. didn't really exist. It wasn't and there in 2012, that's for sure. No, and it's still even now today, you know, it's like, well, that's why we're really choosing to focus and lead the way. And so my MD, she came on board eight years ago and she's got, um, you know, she's got two young kids. And so, you know, we kind of ended up like, what happens if we design a workplace that's made for women's needs? You know, what what happens and what, you know, how can we help women really flourish? So we've ended up that we, you know, purely we went into a very extreme way, but everything is set up to, you know, what do we need? So from people having individual working hours that are based on their work-life needs so you know we have some of our team that maybe come in they do the school drop they go and do the school pickup and then maybe they'll come back some who just work the morning so the idea is that we have to treat everyone as individuals and we give them their kind of you know that works for them and even just part-time we've got we created a special role within each of our teams for like a team kind of coordinator which is purely mornings because one of the things that we heard all the time is that a lot of women that want to be present for their children just want to work the mornings and there was nothing part-time and we have like the most phenomenal women that are in those roles like some of them are like chief of police for like mm. um you know in kind of like some of the kind of you know in the uk but they purely they, they just want to they want to be out there they want to be you know still having something for them but then they want to be able to go and do school pickup and then um, you know be present for their children that's amazing so yeah that's amazing at one point you said at one point you guys decided to own it was that when your md came on board eight years ago I think that it and was. Tell me, and oh, sorry, I've got. There's so many questions. So, actually, I'm going to step back first. What people were calling you uh, a man I mean, a journalist. <laughs> Are you serious? I mean, it kind of offers you, it was like, you know, he said, I'm actually really glad I've met you because I did have a perception that you were like a man, you know, you just hated men. Simply because you had a company just all filled women. with women. Yeah. And that was the automatic sort yeah. of. What an interesting link. What was your answer? I mean, my answer to everything is like, you know, I try to, I'm relatively kind of like, you know, I always try to be kind and be like, you know, and just explain it how it is. And then when you actually have a rational conversation with people, I think generally they get it. But yeah, it is the things that now is kind of, you know, some people still do. I think if I had a company, I mean, obviously, you know, now, I mean, you know, if I had a whole company full of men, I probably don't think I would probably face some of the same questions that I do as if, you know, now, I mean, you know, 
yes, it is an extreme approach I've taken and ideal world, yes, it should, you know, be equality. And I definitely, I know I believe in that, but, you know, the whole kind of equity and like treating people, you know, based on their needs and everything is like, you know, and I really wanted to show in an extreme kind of case study that when women's needs are met in the workplace and, you know, it's understood that we have different women's health needs. We have, you know, Mm. we are, you know, the parent, you know, we're, you know, we're the ones that are, you know, there's certain things that aren't the same with men Mm. that, you know, we, that's the way we're actually going to get a true shot at equality. Which is brilliant. And speaking and of... And it's working because, you know, if you look at it kind of, you know, we've like been growing 50% year on year. I have the most amazing team of women. Like a lot of my team for me, 10 years, eight years, nine years. I have some of my team who have came in, like, for example, like as a part-time admin, like 10 years ago, wanted to focus on her children, then loved it so Just much, completely leave. retrained. I said, you were fancy learning, you know, PR. I she trained her up from sort of the basics to now. She's one of my directors. She, you know, she... Uh, just is I look at her and I feel like you know, that's why I wanted to do this you know because at that time in her life she wanted to have go to work and do something for herself but then it's gone from kind of just a bit of kind of work to tick over and keep her mind busy while the mm. kids are at school so now actually like actually you know I'm a director I've kind of like you know got a career and wanting like you know even more like recently I kind of you know I made her go and speak at an event and that was a you know that was if you'd have said that like nearly 10 years ago it should have been like literally um and yeah I just kind of that you know I feel really proud when I see that that's incredible mentoring have you always wanted to look after people it's funny because I never if you said that to me I would say no but then when I look back and things I think and a lot of people obviously always comment on kind of like the fact that I am kind of I am very empathetic and I kind of to me is like you know I mean now I kind of joke that I'm just like they call me work mom so I'm now like literally that old that I'm just you know but you should see your face when you when you talk about your team and when you talk about where they have been and where they're growing and their growth your face completely changes yeah like it's there it's so there like I'm like okay forget about the work mom it's it it seems like it's in your DNA to help people it's just you just do it like you don't even realize you're doing it and I think that's, you know, for me, it, it is like even at times, you know, I've had like some of my team, uh, one of my team had a, was having a panic attack on the bathroom floor and oh, everything. Wow. And then I literally was there sitting on the floor and everything. I think it, to me, it's these kind of things. It's I always say that I know that times in my early career where maybe, you know, we've all had horrible bosses mm. or experiences. And I look about at how they shape me in my career. And I always think and I say this, I mean, I say this to Polly all the time, my MD, you know, we have to think that everything that we do has the potential to impact their future journey. You know, if likewise, if we did something terrible, that could like force them out of an industry or, you know, so I think you have to really take responsibility for how you shape people's paths. A lot of people don't have that level of self-awareness. No, but that's why, but I think Mm. that to me is that I do think about that, you know, and there have been situations, you know, like I'm not saying I've always got it right. We haven't, but you know, I kind of always learn and hold my hands up to things. And I think it is, I see it as probably why it keeps me awake sometimes at night, a great responsibility, having Mm. that many people working for me. Mm. A, yes, but the basic, you know, you've got their, you know, financial responsibility. Like in COVID, obviously, when, you know, that was terrible for, you know, most of us and being responsible for everybody's livelihood in a time Mm. like that. But then also, you know, I do think about, okay, mental health and all the other things. I treat it very humanly. Well, speaking of mental health, you had a journey yourself. You've been on one hell of a journey. I have. Do you want to tell me, do you want to share a bit about that? I think I have a complex journey when it comes to mental health. And I think even like, you know, the basic form, running a business, you know, it's tough. And there's been, I kind of, I I think now looking back, I've done a lot of work on myself Mm. and I realised that I probably had like high functioning anxiety way back even in my teens. So many 
people have and did not yeah. realise. It's it's quite not misdiagnosed, missed. Totally, because you're flying and many, yeah. you know, but then ultimately, and I think about even like, I look, now it's one of these things you go back and think, okay, those nights that I couldn't go out at university because I didn't feel good enough or I didn't feel I was so anxious about mm. like, you know, that I think the pattern's there and everything. Um, but it's only when actually, but at the same time, I think no one really wants to even go down that actually there might be something wrong. Yeah. But for me, it was probably in my um, sort of mid thirties that I was really kind of struggling. I, I started having really terrible panic attacks oh, wow. and there were some days where I was having about six um, at a so time. When you had panic, how severe were they? I mean, there, were, there was a stage where it was literally debilitating. I couldn't even, um, you know, what I remember once uh, my husband literally had to come and like carry me out of the office and kind of get me home. And it, it was tough because I think I wouldn't, I started to go and see, you know, I'm, I'm, real believer in therapy mm. and speaking to people so I went to Lighthouse Arabia who I do credit with obviously late one of my stories sort of really saving me and obviously I did like a lot of talk therapy and then they were saying look you know probably you should look at some medication what's talk therapy it's in terms of obviously like you know like there's different types of talk therapy so it could be like CBT or kind of you know actually just more like the traditional like you know mm. sort of like counseling kind of yeah. therapy but they you know they said that maybe because of the panic attacks with that debilitating that I should look at some medication at the time I was you know medication was it's got that stigma attached to it and so especially back in the day yeah I mean especially. that was still back you know yeah. we're looking that time you know more like when you you know if you had any mental health or medication on your visa or anything that could cause issues yeah. so I think you know at the t you know it was when it was starting to change but it was still a bit of a stigma so I um it took me a, a while and then I ended up my husband and I we were going through um you know we'd wanted a family and we'd been going through you know trying for a long time and then we ended up um you know having you know we had multiple miscarriages and then it was four years ago that our our daughter was stillborn and then I think that was for me that was you know it was a massive, obviously, you know, I mean, there's nothing that kind of compares no. to it. And I'd always... How long was this journey? I mean, like in, to in total, we've had like about eight years of like IVF, miscarriages, and then, you know, loss. And, you know, and I am, I, I think I never realised how resilient I was and am. Um, but at the same time, there comes a time where your bucket's well and truly you full and you go the over. Yeah, so I did, you know, I ended up on medication and, you know, on a sort of... I just, I think the key thing for me, I mean, there's so much I can say in this area, but I think for me, I wish I had read the signs and took medication earlier, I think, because I think I was already in a quite a bad way with the compounded loss and everything. And then obviously, you know, when it went to the other extreme and then I kind of like just sort of threw over the edge. How, how, so how did you cope? I think I, I mean. Because eight I, years is a lot. It is, yeah. And, I was and like, to be running an incredibly successful yeah. business at the same time. And then the irony is that a lot of my company, you know, we've got a subdivision called Tish Tash Tots. It's all about kids and family focused brands. And so like, I remember that there was times, for example, like we were launching like Tamara Eccleston has this, I think Fifi and Friends. It's like this really cute, you know, like gorgeous kids brand. And like she was coming over and we did her launch here. And I was literally, I, I was having a miscarriage like at the event kind of a media event and everything you know just like sort of trying to like face on all these influencers and media bought their kids and like just trying to smile and I think you know sometimes I kind of think you know things act in mysterious ways but there I am and so many people have said to me like like with your your background history how come you ended up owning a company that's actually dedicated to mothers and kids and and I do believe everything gets you to where you need to be but it was like you know it was 
brutal having to do so many different events and things like you know surrounded by babies and you know sometimes people don't have a filter and they're always like you know kind of you next or you know oh. asking you if you're pregnant or uh, it, it's um it's a lot it is and even you know now it's kind of you know I still get asked some very kind of like you know pointed questions or everyone still wants to talk to me about you know um you know would you like to adopt or would you know maybe you could do this and like it's I've never thought about these things before and um well you didn't think you had to you would have to no just you know before we started this recording you know we we were talking about how and you made a really good point you don't always have the time as much time as you think you do no you know and I think I mean for me I've ended up in a situation where of course you know I haven't got the life that I thought I would have and yes you know me and my husband we desperately wanted a family and yes maybe I've ended up with like 58 women that have kind of you know do call me work mom and I get a lot of love and I do get a lot of kind of you know from that but now I kind of see it that you know I want to be able to share what I wish I had known mm. and you know if I was talking to my 26 year old self or 27 year old self who always thinks you've got time you know you've got you know and there all seems a million reasons not to do things so I always say now like you know I think if you're in the right relationship I don't always think you've got time because you know there's never going to be enough money there's never going to be enough time or you may want to do some more things career-wise but you know, there is, so I know I am talking very openly, not only about sort of, yes, mental health generally. I, you know, I believe we have to talk about these things because I think most of, if you scratch the surface, most of us are struggling with something. But a lot of the time, you know, kind of, so I've ended up going on this mini mission just to talk about the things that we kind of, you know, we either don't want to talk about, we shouldn't be talking about. So be it mental health, be it infertility, child loss. I mean, all the things that the kind of shittiest things that no one wants to talk about are, they are like you know if you think about like one in four people will you know lose a child bit from any stage of pregnancy from miscarriage to kind of you know and it's it's huge and yet people don't want to talk about it and people avoid it and I mean I found this you know personally it's like even you know be it talking about IVF or you know I've written a lot of articles about like how do you juggle IVF when you're working because the reality is I know that I was lucky that I own the company but and I and every day I had to go to the hostel for scans or appointments like if you work for a non-understanding boss what it does to you totally but like you might i always think now like i can't imagine if you're like working for a company where you've got say i don't know any boss that's not understanding you've either got to try and hide or kind of find a way around it and that's why so many women end up leaving the workplace over that because they just or taking time out because they can't do it um so i just think you know we have to talk about these things the reality is the fertility rates are dropping now and it's gonna you know increasingly i mean you ask most of your friends like how you know if you sort of don't have to scratch around that deeply and so many people are having trouble conceiving mm. so yeah so I love my current thing is I love talking about egg freezing um, I think there's you know there's so many options and I'm, I'm organizing the first um, egg freezing ladies night in September because I, I think we have to like you know doesn't need to be boring it doesn't need to be you know but actually there is an educational piece but why not let's all go out and have a good time and learn about our options while we're there can it be done here though for a single woman now um, you can do yes you can freeze your eggs your eggs can't be fertilized now but you can go and do egg freezing and because um, a couple of years ago it still no, wasn't possible the law changed about um i believe it's about a year 18 months ago oh wow and i do think as well we'll get to you know you look at how quickly the laws are changing here and everything but a lot of um you know i mean a lot of my friends have done it here now and you know obviously you've got to bear in mind as well there's lots i mean there's so much to say here but things like you know where you're going to be in the future for example because there are certain countries you can't for example even send frozen eggs back to so the uk is actually okay but you know you've got to think about these things as well can you take it out of the uae 
you can you can yeah okay there is paperwork and a process but yeah. you can but it just depends where you're going to and what process what what kind of like processes mm. they've got um so no i think now it is it's all very possible but ultimately the reality is over 30 you've got to try and do it before you're 30 to really get quality eggs because that's when obviously they start going down yeah uh, and it's like you know that these days there's so many really crazy good because you never i remember when i was younger you didn't think about that no you just didn't i was like oh you know just try not to get pregnant and just <laughs> it was the opposite right try not to get pregnant and then the other thing was like it was oh for as long as you you know are menstruating you're fine you know until you hit menopause you're fine but that's not true no that's not how it works you know and you're right at 29 30 there is a drastic difference you know and if you don't but then at the same time we're now living in a world where the women sort of do want to have kids later yeah. You know, and there's always again, you, you there's I'm sure you're hearing arguments or people that come back and go, yeah, but, you know, the only reason people are doing that is because there's IVF. It's completely changed everything or, you know, women banking it and all of that. And it's like, how do you feel when you hear people talk that way? You know, I mean, it's ge- choice. It is choice. But generally, I'd say like, I don't really get that much kind no. of. No, I think most people kind of are really sort of supportive and get it. And actually, mm. you know, um, I think. If you kind of speak to most of my sort of, you know, friends or peers that are probably in a similar kind of place, you know, we all feel very strongly the same. Mm. I can't say I've actually had any negativity or any, but probably just more a lot of questioning because Mm. people don't really understand. And there has been lots of law changes, Mm. which is why, you know, we've got to talk about it and actually, you know, in kind of more palatable ways so people can actually understand it. And um, you've introduced that into your workplace as part of your policies you we do have. support it we were like, this year we were we decided i was a little bit kind of fed up of all of the kind of noise around international women's day you know it's another pink cake so i thought you know what i want to actually so we've been doing a lot of these things anyway so we decided for international women's day we were going to announce our women's health policies and so we were one of the you know if not the first to or implement menstrual um leave days menopause um leave and unlimited infertility and fertility leave so any of my team, if they want to egg freeze, go through IVF, they can take whatever time they want off without question. I love it. I absolutely love it. For those people out there who will turn around and go, yep, that's great, but, you know, work still got, has to get done. How do you manage that? You know, we'd love to be able yeah. to do that for, for but, you know, it's all a work thing, blah, blah, blah. What's yeah. your answer to that? I mean, the statistics speak for themselves. Our performance speaks for itself. If I look at, we obviously have HR systems and everyone logs things. Um, and I mean, 58 women, how many women do you think in the past year have taken off a period leave day? Barely any. Two. And then they still work from home. Everything's got done. So I think it is people just want to know that they have that if they really are having a, you know, Ter- you know, I've got some of my team that have got like endometriosis or really, really painful periods, and mm. they just know that actually, if they can't get in their car and drive to work that day, you know, it's then okay. they can stay at home and the work gets done. Uh, I think it's just that reassurance knowing, um, you know, we have, you know, one of, you know, we've got a couple of kind of our team, like, you know, are now in either perimenopause, menopause, and so we're kind of, you know, sort of, well, we're orientating that as well. We've been doing, we've implemented lots of education and training as well around, you know, egg freezing. We had someone come in independently to do education. We got the team a really good discount on egg freezing which also can be done in installments if anyone wanted to take it up we've got someone that is doing it this summer um and then likewise we've been doing the same for menopause awareness as well and even like you know a lot of our team are like even like 22 20 you know i mean maybe their mums are going through it and everything and they've all really enjoyed actually you know there's lots of misconceptions that you wouldn't know about things so what's what's the biggest misconception you found about menopause 
I just think, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I got diagnosed as perimenopausal earlier this year and I didn't, you know, and I thought I was losing my mind. Like, I mean, and I've come quite close to losing my mind a few times. And I, I mean, I don't think I really understood the how horrendous, like, you know, perimenopause was. Um, and I can totally understand how it forces women out of the workplace because... I'm, I mean, I said so once again, I'm lucky that I own my business, but mm. I'm sitting there kind of like, you know, in the middle of thing, like a conversation, like, and I completely forget everything. I can't, like, you know, I used, to, I mean, I am the biggest juggler and multitasker that I know. I mean, mm. even my MD says, like, you have the capacity of four people. Yeah. But this year, I've actually really struggled. And maybe she said, maybe I've gone down to two people now. And so that's <laughs> making me feel a bit uncomfortable. But, you know, to me, that's really alien. And so I'm thinking, you know, you know, I can imagine if you're in another company and maybe say, I don't know, maybe you've got like colleagues or bosses that maybe aren't so understanding and you're sitting there forgetting what you're doing you know, all over the, you know, all of a sudden how, why women might lose their confidence and actually think wow. I can't do this job anymore. I think it's one of the things that until you actually go through it, you don't really you realise. No clue, yeah. um, and now, you know, I kind of then start to feel really bad about how I've treated my mum, you know, when you're sort of looking back and thinking, oh yeah, no, she was probably like, I mean, obviously there wasn't really perimenopause back then, you know. You but, were literally menopause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but now I feel bad that I was probably was quite mean to her when she was struggling. I, I, so I'm trying to think back. Like, I, I again, I think I think my mom's the Iron Maiden. Like, I, they don't, you know, like, she was incredible. I, I do remember she was going through something. I, I do remember she, her mentioning things to me and it was at the time, uh, it was like natural hormone therapy. I just, I remember her putting stuff, but she, if anything, I think she just suffered in silence. Yeah. I think it was like, what, I'm trying to think what that supplement is. Everyone, you know, even Primrose, everyone yep. was like taking yep, that, yep. you know, that was the in, answer. In bucket yeah. loads, you know. But, <laughs> um, but it is like very, It was a yeah. suffered in silence back then. So yeah. it's just, and I'm seeing a lot more um, women getting on, having a platform and speaking about yeah. perimenopause and menopause and, and the workplace. Yeah. It's having a moment, which yeah. I'm, I'm all for her. You know, I think it is, end of the day, we're an ageing population and mm. you know we are 50% of the population so it's going to happen to us and I think we have to because once again I think as long as we understand it and we can sort of you know put kind of you know understand that men and women aren't dealing with the same things then hopefully we can prevent like a huge pool of talent of kind of you know 40 50 something women um, leaving the workplace because it's not necessary it's, no. but it's also good like you said it's a great deal of talent you know, it would be a right shame for it to, you know, for them to leave simply because they're not being understood. Yeah. Because we're not talking about it. Exactly. So that's just another one of the things we have to talk about. Brilliant. So what's next? I kind of feel, as I said, I've gone down this path where I didn't think I would never, I mean, whilst obviously, you know, I wish I'd never lost a child and that's something that, you know, I still, you know, deal with every day. But I do feel that, everything has happened to get me to where I need to be and I you know I have found a voice which seems to resonate and I've got quite a few plans with that you know at the moment um, you know I've kind of been leading the with we're on our third child loss awareness day um, in the Middle East mm -hmm. and we've pulled together all the different communities for that and all of us feel very committed that we want to establish that as something beyond us obviously it's an expat world no you never know who's going to be here so mm -hmm. we're going through the process of setting that up as a not-for-profit at the moment so that's something that we all feel really passionately about that you know everyone should have access to care at any um you know stage of uh, baby or child loss so yeah now that really you know uh, i mean it is one of those things it, it's it's a that's really quite emotion dear to your heart yeah it's a really emotional triggering day i have this dream if anyone's out there can help me with um that we every year we've been trying to light the Burj Khalifa up 
Um, you know, the Burj Khalifa lights up for lots of days, um, which is amazing. Given that child and baby loss affects one in four, I think it would be a really beautiful thing to do. Other landmarks around the world have lit up. Burj Khalifa's never lit up. Every year I try, it's not happened, but I'm not done yet, it's going to happen. And I have this view, it'll be in the kind of colours with like all names of like ch children that have like, you know, that's what I really want to make happen. Um, so yeah, so I've got until October to get- This October? Yes, that's my plan is to have the not-for-profit set up and make that happen for this October. Um, so yeah, that all really that, you know, I know I've met some of the um, best people through that as well. I mean, I was very clear when I think when I lost my daughter, I thought, and or everyone says like, this is, this is ch child support, child loss support group. And I kind of was very, I didn't want to become one of those people that just hangs around with people that have lost children. You know, I, I you know, I kind of just wanted to see my friends and talk about handbags. But, I, you know, I have ended up surrounded. I've got some amazing women, you know, who've all gone through the same things, and but we're all very focused on the same thing. So I think all of us, you know, that's something that I feel really, really strongly about that I want to make a difference. You know, even if we help one person, you know, to me, that's worthwhile. I mean, that in terms of obviously the women's health space, you know, things like obviously I'm working on, you know, yeah, the first uh, egg freezing ladies night. We're working on the first menopause ladies night. So I really just want to, you know, bring all the things that, you know, we should be talking to in a really, really palatable, fun and kind of like things people want to come well, to. You're taking the loneliness away. Yeah. Which is the hardest part. Like we, we've had a few episodes where we had some incredible women come on the show and they talked about their journey of loss or, you know, even um, post... Uh, postnatal depression that's it I was trying to remember what um, the one of our guests actually renamed it it was fantastic and that's why I sort of frazzled my brain and it just was so heart-wrenching listening to their story about them sitting there and suffering in silence and being too scared to speak or feeling you know they can't speak or you know I can't speak because how can I as a mother be feeling these feelings and then you know and it was two separate interviews and i'm like wow and you're both saying exactly the same thing and and if women just spoke or felt that they could speak to someone or they could speak to each other or they did speak up it, the, we could save so much of that pain exactly and i think you know why i choose to speak out on my social even on my linkedin is because yeah i just if one person doesn't feel alone then it's worth it well, Tash, I'll be doing whatever I can to help you light up the Burj Khalifa. I'm very inspired. Thank you. And I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. No, thank you for having me. It's been, oh. a, you know, a pleasure. Beautiful, beautiful episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Rooted Within. If you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan.